so far, we really haven't dug deep into to Pentecost yet because... <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's all you've done is 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 dug deep in, into this. <laughs> you cannot tell me that now we're getting into the, we're the intricate part. We're scratching no. the surface here. Wow. No, we're counting the Omer. We're really... Uh, I've been talking from Passover to the, the 50 days to get to Pentecost. and So we're still going to spend a little bit more time because I feel like this is the most neglected part of Pentecost. And you cannot have Pentecost without counting the Omer. It just doesn't make any sense. And God did, didn't build it that way. So we're not going to make the mistake that I feel like so many have made. And uh, by neglecting the Omer, we're going to look. So uh, we're going to talk about this waiting and lingering. We, we talked about that in the last break. So a couple of really odd questions here. Why was it wrong? I mean, there's an obvious answer here. Why was it wrong to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Now, obviously, it leads, it leads to sin and death. God said, don't. So that's the obvious answer. But beyond that, what, what, what came from that when they ate from that? Well, number one, I think this, there, there was no end to that pursuit. What are we doomed to do on a daily basis in our life? Uh, they condemned themselves and us to solve our own problems. We, when we seek knowledge instead of truth and life, well, we're just dead men walking. We are in the footsteps of Adam and Eve. We don't need the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We need the tree of life. And it was the same way for the Israelites in the desert. Their flocks would never have lasted or satisfied them. It was always God's plan to be their gyra, their provider. Jesus was the manna. The manna wasn't what Jesus could do or raise, raise the dead, walk on water and all that. It wasn't all that. Can you heal me? It was all about him. They had to understand when he said, "You, I am real food, taste and eat. I, I am your answer. But Moses said this, here I'm among 600,000 men on foot and you say, I'll give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? And the Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? Now you'll see whether or not what I say will come true for you. And here we have this conversation between Moses and God, and God says, feed them. And Moses is going, how in the world do I feed all these people? And God's saying, even you can't trust me in this? So here this this guy that's undoubtedly in my book, just the number one most impressive man who's ever walked the planet, is having these conversations with God, just trying to figure out, how do I trust you, God? But see, the thing is that we're never satisfied with what we have. We're forever on this wrong pilgrimage. And I believe what they did in the Exodus is a pilgrimage. We think the end is the goal. They're trying to arrive at the mountain. They're trying to arrive at the promised land. But the journey is, is part of the whole deal. The blessed man is the man on pilgrimage, not just when he arrives. The pilgrimage road was his path from the Pool of Siloam to the temple. You cleansed yourself in the pool. Then you took your sacrifice to be burned. The journey was about the sacrifice that would bring restoration of relationship and intimacy. But we hate to wait. See, the county of Omer was and is all about waiting. What was the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost? In the desert, it was lots of sacrifices, giving your first fruit, waiting to eat from the harvest till you could fully give thanks to God. But what was the Feast of Weeks for Pentecost in the end? Well, waiting and then receiving the Holy Spirit to receive power, unity, and purpose. There was It was so much a big picture that we could never grasp it. Every day of our lives is retracing the days from the first fruits of the barley harvest, Passover, to the first fruits of the wheat harvest, Pentecost. He takes us from resurrection to receiving 
to outpouring so we can pour out. Now, we talked about that blog. I named it Numbering Our Days. That comes from the verse in Psalm 90, verses 8 uh, through 10 and through 17. You've set our iniquities before you, and this was written by Moses. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and will fly away. Now Moses is 120. He's old. He's tired. And he says this. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. You might rephrase this. If only we knew you well, God, enough to recognize when we were troubling you so you didn't need to punish us. We learned that from our parents so we can avoid the spanking, but we don't ever learn that with God. Moses says, here's the secret. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom or that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. May the favor or beauty of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So we all need to remind ourselves that the number of our days is limited. The Hebrew word here for number is manah. It also means to appoint or ordain. So we should be asking God to help us our 50-day journey, if you will, and help us appoint our days with vision, ordain our days with meaning, consecrate our days as few and precious, and set apart our days for his purpose. See, unless we consider the potential significance of our days, they're going to fly by until life itself has flown by without us gaining or applying the meaning of wisdom that God has made available to us. See, the days of the Omer, this counting, this is to teach us this, this principle so that we apply it in our daily lives. Those verses are part of the prayer of Moses. And essentially, he's asking God to keep eternity in our focus daily so we aren't consumed by his judgment forever. It wasn't about the promised land in the end. It was about the promise and the promiser. In Psalm 133, it says this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And a friend of mine was saying the other day, What is a priest without oil? He's unfit to enter the presence of God and minister. And what are the mountains without the dew? Well, they're dry and they're barren. See, being in unity and in one accord precedes every moving of God in the church in Scripture. And as we walk with God, what we're trying to get to is to be in unity with Him. That's the whole point of the journey. It's not arriving. It's learning to be in relationship with Jesus so that that oil and that dew is present. Mm, that's good. Amen. Coming up, we're going to count the Omer in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And before you know it, we're going to be at Pentecost.